When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You're listening to From the Chair, and I'm your host, Mike Hamilton. Join us each episode as we talk to athletic directors from across America. We're going to talk about topics like leadership, career development, issues of the day, and I can promise you we're going to have some fun along the way, too. So sit back, listen in, and let's dive in. Let's go. All right, welcome in. Good one today. Today's episode is going to be with uh, Nate Pine, the Director of Athletics at the Air Force Academy. Nate, thanks for joining me. Mike, thanks for having me. Good to see you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, I was looking through, um, you know, refreshing myself on your bio and certainly I knew about your time on the West Coast and Maryland and the Holy Cross and, and obviously now at the Air Force Academy. But it, it was interesting. I was thinking about you being bicoastal, right? You're, you're an Oregon native and and uh, have uh, your Oregon State uh, undergrad Cal uh, master's and and worked on the West Coast for some time. And then you also were at uh, West Point. I think maybe with Kevin and, and, and at Maryland before going to be the AD at Holy Cross. And so I meant to ask you off air when we were conversing, I hope so, Katis, it, it you know, you had some time with Kevin Anderson. I know he was there on your staff recently, and I think also just recently retired. So why don't we maybe just start with your association with him and maybe giving him a shout out for his time in college athletics. Sure, more than deserved. Kevin has been a tremendous mentor for me uh, throughout my career, but first met him at Oregon State, uh, worked for him for two years, and then I had the opportunity to go with him to to Army, and then talked me into coming back and working for him again at Maryland. So all in, we worked together uh, probably uh, 10 years or better. So known him for a long time, uh, certainly helped me throughout my career. One, just showing me how this is done at a high level, but then also always being there as a resource to pick up the phone and, and talk through challenges that I faced when I got out on my own. So to have an opportunity to uh, 
bring him into our organization at Air Force. He's uh, been here about two years, and so he'll finish up this spring uh, and, and retire officially this summer. But talked him out of an earlier retirement to, to come back and be part of something special at the Air Force Academy. And I'll tell you, in, in two short years, he's made our organization a lot better and uh, just thankful to be around him every day, but thankful to also be able to uh, have others in our organization learn from him and become better administrators because of it. He's a guy who's had an impact on this industry for many, many years. And I, as I can know, I know by the time you worked with him, how much you respect him, as you've alluded to today. You know, um, so look, you uh, you were at Holy Cross um, for some time when you left your job at Maryland you're in your first athletic director opportunity. We, everybody uh, has to get their first opportunity at some point, and, and uh, Holy Cross was a good place to land. And, uh, you know, it's a program that has had success over time. I'm interested why that was the first right stop for you. It may just have been, hey, that's the opportunity that was presented, but obviously you still have to decide if that's, if that's the place for you or not. Uh, your perspective on that first opportunity. Sure. I, I think you alluded to it. I mean, everyone's got to have a first uh, opportunity to sit in the chair. And so you never know where that's going to be. And I found that it's really about fit. I, I had a couple conversations before that, but Holy Cross was was the right one. And, and I knew it was the right one from the interview and the connection with the, the president, Father Burroughs. Uh, also a little bit of familiarity with the Patriot League. I had been at Army for uh, four years early in the career. And so many of those athletic directors that I would be working with uh, when I took the job at Holy Cross were still in position across the Patriot League. And so there was a comfort level to what the league was all about. I certainly appreciated the past athletic success at, at Holy Cross, but also the incredible academic standards. And so that has kind of been a part of what's important to me when I look at uh, opportunities and and have conversations with folks is uh, what's the value proposition look like? What what are we doing for these young men and women uh, when they graduate from our institution and go on to do a lot of things? Very few of them go on to play professionally and, and the ones that do, we, we cheer for and root for. So that's a lot of fun, but that's not the only thing and that's certainly not the vast majority. So for me, uh, when I looked at uh, the opportunity at Holy Cross, it, it really lined up and uh, never thought I would uh, be an Oregon kid ending up in Worcester, Massachusetts, but very thankful for the five years that uh, I had an opportunity to lead that athletic department and certainly very proud of uh, the facilities, the coaches we hired, the, the kids we graduated and, and where we were able to leave that institution when uh, the opportunity at Air Force came up. So I still uh, keep an eye on how they're doing and, and certainly root for the Crusaders and uh, have, a, have a finger on the pulse because they've continued to, to go on and do great things. And that's very rewarding. That's, that's always a big piece of this is you want to leave it better than you found it. And then you also want to be able to uh, step away and let others take the reins and, and continue it forward. So that's been a lot of fun, but uh, couldn't have asked for a better opportunity and uh, a better place to learn and a better place to uh, you know hone my craft as the athletic director there for uh, five years. That's great. So now is this year, is this year four at the Academy? Uh, is that, is, Just past year four here year this winter. Four. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So obviously uh, a great place, uh, you know, to, to work with kind of student athletes, the cadets that you're able to work with in a beautiful place to live in the world. And and uh, obviously 
the academy and and uh, all the the military academies uh, are special places. And and that's really kind of some of what I want to focus on. Honestly, is I want to talk about the nuance differences and expectations relative to what some other schools. Uh, may have to face, but but then candidly, how do you operate within some of the boundaries of the things like the portal, NIL, all that all that kind of thing as well? So uh, sure. let's start with the fact that um, obviously you've got 27 sports. That's a that's a, a lot of sports. Uh, there are you know obviously a, a number of universities that are at, at, in the SEC. We tended to have a, a smaller number of sports. When I was the AD, we had 19. I think some other schools may have a little bit more than that. But how are you approaching? this notion of 27 sports at a place like the Academy uh, in terms of do you tier or segment any of your sports? Are you, are you obviously striving for excellence in every way and fully committed to every sport? I'm interested in how you, how you approach such a broad spectrum of, of activity. Sure. Well, a broad based athletic program is, is important. And, and you look across all three academies, it, it looks very similar. We might offer different sports, but, Part of our fundamental mission at the Academy, one of the three pillars as we talk about it on campus is athletics. Certainly you have academics and we have military training, but athletics is that third pillar. And so it's important that we have a broad based offering of varsity sports. We certainly at our, at the Air Force Academy, we also run our physical education department. We do all of our fitness testing. So we touch and affect and improve every cadet during their four years. But when we're looking just through the varsity sports lens, we've got 27 varsity teams. We actually uh, support men's and women's boxing, which is not an NCAA sport, so that makes it 29. And then you throw our uh, our cheer and mascot team on top of it, it makes it 30. So we've got a lot of sports. And, and when you talk about excellence, I think we're realistic and we look at, okay, what's what's a goal and what's a stretch goal for each one of those programs? But when you talk about how do you have comprehensive excellence, we talk about it through what is our standard of excellence and what is our, our standard of operation. And so we, we go through a pretty rigorous program. We do it each summer where we build out a performance planner. We, we look at, okay, what, what's a realistic goal? What's a stretch goal? And we also look, okay, what resources are going to be needed to, to achieve those goals? And then we have accountability, both uh, in my side and, and as a leadership in, in our uh, budgeting and, and the way we're investing in these and then our, our coaches and, and what we're able to deliver. And so I think if you take that methodical process approach and you do it year after year, you're going to build a culture of success. And that's certainly, I walked into a, a very high level here at Air Force. And, and I think we've raised that considerably over the last couple of years. And that's what we're trying to do. We, we want to give these young men and women an incredible experience. We also understand that we're probably not going to win a conference title in every sport every year. I mean, we've been in this business a long time, Mike. We, we know what it's all about. But we also want to make sure that fundamentally we're doing the right things to put these young men and women and these coaches in the best possible position to be successful. Yeah, for, for those who aren't familiar, Nate, um, the evolution of how Air Force and, and all the academy athletics programs have been um, led or managed the years has evolved and changed. And um, obviously there's, the, I guess you would call it the privatization of Air Force athletics over the last few years. And the fact that you, you are a private citizen who is, is the director of athletics as opposed to a commissioned officer. 
Um, and I know like at West Point, there's there's a still a, a commissioned person from uh, the United States Army that, that works alongside Mike Buddy. I don't know if you have that same scenario at Air Force, but just talk about the structure um, and how you may differ from most of the athletic departments in the country in, in terms of how you guys operate. No, you're right. Anybody that pulls up our uh, our, our directory on the website will see that uh, we, we don't look a whole lot. We do in some ways, uh, like other athletic departments. We certainly have our nuances. So you referred to it. Uh, I'm a civilian contractor in the, in the government world. That's how uh, I, I'm known. But uh, the first time that Air Force um, has had a, a person in my role as a contractor, uh, prior to that, it had either been active duty or um government service employees and so we at the air force academy were were the last to it so navy had been set up in in a similar fashion for a long time army had gotten there we actually started some of that uh process to adjust when i was at west point and then air force came to it and so what that did is it really set us up to where I could be an athletic director in the traditional sense. So the folks listening to this that are, you know, state schools or private schools, they, they know the roles of an athletic director and being able to negotiate contracts, being able to fundraise, being able to uh, really just lead in an athletic department in, in, the, in the modern age. And so that was an important step for Air Force and one that was important to me as I evaluated the opportunity and went through the interview process, that was a lot of questions because it was new here and uh, and we're still adapting and, and adjusting. But we do also have a, an active duty colonel, uh, which is our vice athletic director. And so we, we have that person in our athletic department that does a lot of interaction really with the cadet wing, a lot of stuff that is academy centric um, and it's important to have that communication. And then we also have a government uh, executive athletic director. And the reason we do that is to keep everything legal. So as a contractor, I'm only allowed to do so much um, in the government system, whereas a government employee is able to obligate funds and, and do some personnel things that, that I just have to be hands off on in our athletic department. So it's a steep learning curve. I'm still learning, but it uh, it works for us, and uh, I think it has given us the ability to evolve at the Air Force Academy in an important way. So it's a lot of fun. I ask a lot of questions. I learn a lot. I get told no a lot, but uh, we're there, and, and we're having a ton of success. So obviously, it's working. So you know, one of the you obviously have had some success in fundraising over the years, and I, I, my understanding is that fundraising historically had been somewhat limited. At, at Air Force, and you come in now, and you've and you've done a number of things. Um, you know, facilities construction is an important part of the process. So many campuses across the country, particularly as it relates to how that affects recruiting. Um, you know, look, I, I was at a state institution. Uh, it wasn't just hey, we could do anything we wanted anytime. We had we had regulations that we had to go through, processes we had to go through, and we had to you know backtrack from you know, understand that we we're going to do anything. It was going to be three years probably before we could probably put a shovel in the ground. You know. So what have you found as it relates to this, this transition, the privatization of some of what the, Air, the academy is able to do now as it relates to those kinds of things? Do you find that the process is, is, is relatively the same as when you're places like Maryland and Holy Cross and Cal, or is it still yet a little bit more cumbersome because of the, the, the overall government concept? You know, it's, a, it's an interesting question. I, I think that we're, we're sowing the seeds 
uh, of why we created a corporation and a 501c3 embedded within uh, the Air Force Academy because the new stadium expansion that we just uh, announced this fall, a uh, $90 million project in total is all going to be privately raised um, and, and funded. And that's never happened at the Air Force Academy. We honestly, we never had a mechanism, but you and I both know, as we kind of alluded to, every stop in my career, we've had facility uh, improvements that were necessary and most of them were privately uh, fundraised. And so now giving ourselves the ability at Air Force to do that is a huge step forward. And so in that respect, that's exactly why, you know, folks smarter than I started to set up a, uh, a 501c3 within the athletic department. But we're actually seeing the fruits of that now, and, and we're breaking ground and, and going to renovate and do a $90 million uh, improvement to Falcon Stadium that's been necessary for a long time. We, we built the stadium in the 60s, have done small projects, but really we're reliant on government funding to do those projects. And so it's time to do a major renovation and upgrade, and, and now we're able to do it. Now, I, I say that, that yes, it's working, and, and this is why we, we established it the way we did. But... There, there's always uh, challenges and bureaucracy and red tape that you got to work through. And you alluded to that at the state school, multiply that by 10 in the federal system. And, uh, and that's where we're at. I, I joked, uh, we're, we're working hard through the final approvals and making sure that we get the gift acceptance and all of the, the T's crossed and I's dotted, but uh, I've never been at a place where it's been more difficult to, to give a, a school a $90 million uh, project free and clear. And, and it's just, uh, it's a matter of our approvals. It's a matter of our authorization authorization. So there's challenges to it, but we're making progress and, and it has to happen. So we're, uh, we're excited and we're going to keep pushing. Yeah. So you alluded to Falcon stadium and the, and the, the $90 million project. I think the stadium was opened in 1962. I'm sure it's had uh, things done here and there. 90 million is a lot of money, but at the same time, today's world, you know, the dollars keep going up. They're not going down. What are you, what are you uh, planning to do with this particular renovation? So this renovation will uh, tackle the entire east side of the stadium. And so we're, we're going to build some premium seats in there. We're, we're well under on premium seating in Falcon Stadium. We're actually going to take the capacity down slightly. We're going to come down to about 40,000 from 47. But uh, add premium seats, redo restrooms, redo egress, fan shops, concessions for an entire half of the stadium. And then we're going to use the momentum from this project, hopefully to carry over and do some things over on the west side that are, are necessary. We looked at it as a total project, but as you start getting close to 200 million, it becomes a bit untenable, especially when we've never done anything close to that at Air Force. And so we thought breaking it down into a phase project was the right approach for us. And I'm excited that we're we're kicking this one off because I think there is going to be a lot of interest and excitement. Certainly folks see where we're headed and then that can carry over and, and to do the entire stadium project. But we'll just have to take it in a couple bites. And, what, and when will this first phase be complete? We should be open for the first game of 2024, assuming okay. we get a couple approvals. We, we've got the ceremonial ground uh, breaking, but uh, we, we've got to tear down some steel and get going if we're going to hit that because it is aggressive timeline. We've got a great contractor on board, but we're chomping at the bit to, uh, to knock down the old stands and, and clear the construction site because we got to get going in order to hit that. So if you look at a schedule of a student athlete uh, between um, academic endeavors and film study and practice and weight 
and eating and nutrition and training room time and all that kind of stuff, that in and of itself is a very daunting thing. So then you throw on top of that expectations of a cadet at an academy. Um, really, for you know, most of the folks that listen to this, Nate, are, are folks who are in the industry, right? They're athletic directors, associate ADs, staff members, that kind of thing. So they understand the general, what it looks like generally around the student athlete process. But you guys have, your, your young men and young women have to take it to another level. If you maybe could, ex, could explain a little bit about the life of a cadet who is also a student athlete. Sure. Well, I, I think it starts just in a highly selective admissions process. So elite academics, uh, even to have a conversation about coming to the academy, and that's because there's a rigorous academic load that they're going to take uh, while they're here. And so in some ways that uh, that helps us and that you, you weed out uh, your recruiting pool pretty quickly and you get down to a, a number that, uh, you know, one baseline are, are capable of coming to the academy and doing all the things that we're going to throw at them. Um, but then you you also, there's a reason why every time you watch an Air Force football game on television, you'll see a screen that gets popped up that says a day in the life of the cadet. And it's pretty incredible because it it starts at six in the morning and it goes till 10 o'clock at night. And, and we fill it up the entire day from academics in the morning to athletics in the afternoon. And so when you look at it, you, you talk about folks in the industry, um, we just have a lot less contact time with our athletes at Air Force. And so we have to be very efficient with what we're trying to do um, from a coaching standpoint and a developmental standpoint. But we've got incredible kids. Uh, you know, when we talk about the best of the best that come to the academies, they can handle that academic load. They can handle that athletic load and they can handle the military training that goes on top of it. And that's why when they graduate from the Air Force Academy, they go on to be so successful. These are leaders in our country after they're leaders in our Air Force or Space Force. And some of them go an entire career um, in that endeavor and others get out and go on to do great things in our community. But they're set up for success because of the crucible of what uh, what they go through during their four years at the Academy. And, and we know they're capable of it. And we've got incredible staff that can help support them. But there's not too many... Uh, when you're looking at the academic loads, uh, you know, you've got aeronautical engineering and it's a, and that's a regular class and you've got a Astro and others that, that just don't look the same in the academic load and, and what you see at other schools and, and really what we're up against. And that's why we take such great pride when we are successful and, and really thriving in the athletic realm, because we know that there's so much more to it that these young men and women are going through. So that success is even a little bit sweeter when we have it at Air Force. So you and I talked about this briefly in passing, I think maybe in San Antonio, I, I can't remember exactly. Um, but, um, you know, a lot of the conversation in today's world is obviously centered around, well, there are multiple things that are they're in the soup, but uh, NIL and, and Transfer Portal are, are two of those. That looks different at your place. How, how so? It sure does. Well, um, couple things. I, I guess let's start with NIL since we said it first. So name, image, and likeness um, is really not uh, part of the conversation at the Air Force Academy, but it has given us a little bit different frame of reference in our recruiting conversations because every cadet that attends the Air Force Academy is getting paid. They're an employee of the U.S. government while they're in school, and so that's about $1,000 a month. And so when, when you look at how that stacks up, 
some some of these uh, you know very popular or lucrative NIL deals that that's not really competitive but honestly we we probably weren't in the conversation with a lot of those uh, kids anyway at, at Air Force and so it's given us a different way to discuss the value proposition of an Air Force Academy education not just the academic piece because that's always been there and I think understood but I think it helps to quantify the pay piece of while you're a cadet and what that might stack up to as far as an NIL opportunity somewhere else. And so while we don't uh, participate in name, image, and likeness because endorsement is not an opportunity when you're a federal employee, we do have a way to have that conversation and maybe have it land or resonate slightly different than before. And then when you talk about transfer uh, portal, that really isn't a game that we engage in much either. So when a cadet comes to the academy, they're on a four-year track, a 47-month developmental track. And so for someone to transfer into the academy, and it does happen on occasion, they would basically restart their clock and go four years through. So if they were transferring after their freshman year somewhere else, they would come into our place as a freshman and, and go through in four years. And so that's not necessarily appealing to the masses, but it is to some. And then when we look at ours, we do have to re-recruit our locker rooms and make sure that our young men and women are having an incredible experience because cadets can leave the academy, all three academies after their freshman year or sophomore year without an obligation or commitment to pay back their education. So we don't see the exodus that, that some programs have in their junior and senior years because by the time a young man or woman gets to that point at the academy, they are committed to the academy, they are gonna commission and they have a service obligation on the back end of their graduation. So we don't see a lot of juniors and seniors leave, but we've gotta be very vigilant to make sure that our freshmen and sophomores are having the kind of experience that we've promised them uh, in the recruiting conversations. And we need to make sure that we're setting them up to be successful academically too, so that they don't matriculate to other institutions. Yeah, you know, it really highlights for me the fact that, um, like any place, really, you recruit to your strengths, you recruit to your story, uh, you're looking for specific needs based upon the student athlete's ability to function in those expectations, regardless of where you are. Your, your requirements are different from others, but you're in the marketplace looking for those student athletes who meet the mark. And that one of those factors in being successful in that, obviously, is obviously your support from an administration standpoint, but it's also having the right coaches that understand it and are not afraid to recruit the, that kind of young man or young woman that needs to be able to be successful at the Air Force Academy. I do want to highlight you've got a you know you've got a number of successful coaches, but you know Troy Calhoun obviously is one of your own, uh, having having attended the academy and now he's been I guess he's in his 16th or 17th season as the head football coach and has had by all measures really great success. Uh, at a place that's not easy. Um, talk a little bit about what you've seen from him as it relates to what we've just alluded to, recruiting the right kind of, of people into the program that understand the expectations that come with being on a team there. Sure. Well, Coach Calhoun is a, an 89 grad, and so obviously being a grad and having gone through it uh, is, is really important because there's an authenticity to the conversations you have in the living room with parents and, and, and young men, in his case, that are considering the academy as an opportunity for academics and, and for football. So he's able to speak to it in a way. And 
I think if you take it beyond Coach Calhoun and you look at the football staff, there's a number of grads on that football staff um, because we're going to do it differently than, than you do at other schools. And we're going to embrace some of the, the challenges and the rigors that are different at our place from others. But we've also found a way uh, to be successful in that. And so it's not easy but it's not impossible. And, and we've seen that there's a, a long history of success uh, in, in the sport of football at the academy. You know, Coach DeBerry before Coach Calhoun had incredible success and, uh, and it wasn't easy. But uh, being a grad, you're, I think they're able to, to speak to it in a way that, that helps others understand just what they're signing up for, but also they understand when to push on the athletic side and when to maybe ease off the gas pedal because we're in an important part of the academic year. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the thing we have other grads, uh, coach, head coaching uh, in other sports, but I think the neat thing that, that I have seen in my four years at, at Air Force is we've got a community of coaches where that information is shared and, and there is a lot of uh, ideas and, and ways that, that we go about it that looks different from other schools. But as we hire and, and recruit individuals that have been at other schools, like, like myself, I think we're able to bring some ideas and, and seeing things done different ways to the table to where it just helps us add more tools to our toolbox. And so the mix of grads, non-grads, at the end of the day, we're all highly competitive and, and want to be successful. That's why we're in college athletics. And so uh, we, we want to figure out the best way to do that in our individual organizations. And I think that the uh, the grads that we have that are coaching and, and certainly to Coach Calhoun, I don't want to we, we got off on a tangent there. But uh, I mean, you, you said it best, the incredible success that he's had just finishing up 16 years. The last three, we, we've won greater than 10, 10 wins each of those seasons. I mean, that's that's unheard of. And, and so for us to, to do that at Air Force knowing what what we're up against is an incredible source of pride and and we're going to continue to do it and it's not going to happen every year but we do celebrate it and appreciate it every time we're able to get to double digit wins knock off a couple big brand names uh, throughout our schedule that's a source of pride for us that helps recruiting that's what these young men that we're recruiting into our football program want to be a part of and you know, luckily for us, we, we've had a ton of success doing it, especially here of late under Coach Calhoun's leadership. Mm, yeah. All right. So, Nate, the benefit of having hosting a podcast is I get to ask the questions that I'm that I have rolling around in my mind. Um, and this this next one's really is kind of naive. And, but but I, it's one of those things of like, hey, I wonder what, you know, I've been to Colorado Springs a, a few times. I've not had the good fortune of being on campus for an athletic competition yet, but I, I know the setting of your stadium. Uh, beautiful setting there against the the, the mountains. Um, how do you manage on a uh, you know at a military academy um, fans coming and going? That may seem like a really yeah. you know simple question, but I, I've often wondered: Do you have a separate athletic complex, and they enter through separate gates? Uh, how do how do you manage that? You know, it's interesting. Let's start with the 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 first statement. It, Colorado Springs is in a incredible spot. It's a beautiful setting and, and everyone that comes here is in awe. So we've got a great campus to, to show off. But we talk about this, you know, to your question, every time I, I get uh, a fan that, that maybe is less than uh, perfectly satisfied with the time it took them to, to get through the gate and, and get to our venue, 
we are a Air Force base. And so we have a north gate and a south gate, and those are purposeful. They're, they're choke points to make sure that we have security and, and we have all of the uh, eyeballs on it that you would in an Air Force base. And so we've got to try to have a delicate balance of Division One athletic program and that customer experience and, and also security for our cadets and our personnel that, that work on the Air Force Academy installation. And so um, sometimes we're a little bit slower getting through there and, and we do only have two entrances in and out and, and we know that. So we try to message on the front end about coming early. We have an incredible family atmosphere. We have an incredible fan fest and we put a lot of energy and effort into that to getting people to come and stay and be part of it for a long time because it is going to be a little bit slower coming through the gate. So <clears throat> we have to go after that mousetrap in a slightly different way than you do at other schools. But we try to message that and be very clear. And I think most of our fans understand that they're coming on to the Air Force Academy and that's going to look a little different. So they have to have their IDs ready and they have to make sure that, you know, they, they're willing to open up their trunk and, and uh, let a security guard take a look at their at their trunk. That's OK. We, we figured out a way to do it and we figured out a way to message it. Um, but we just have to own the fact that we're going to be different and there's reasons we're going to be different and that's okay. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, you know, again, I'm naive. I was asking the question, but yeah, it's actually, you actually explained it the way I thought it might work. So that, that's, uh, that's good to hear. Uh, hey, so last question. Um, you are obviously a leader or you wouldn't be at the Air Force Academy in the role that you're in. You are at a place where America's leaders, future leaders are being prepared for what, they will do for and on behalf of our country. Um, I know that because you're at the, the Air Force Academy, you are exposed to uh, concepts around leadership that are probably meaningful, significant, and, and you get to take advantage of some of that. I'm curious um, what you have used in that, what I've just described, to maybe hone your own style, your own skill set, strengthen your, your leadership um, skills by being around those who um, espouse that characteristic every single day in every single way. Sure, I, I think that's the really neat thing, you know, for our staff, for, for our cadets, and, and for me personally, is, is that is a fundamental piece of the Air Force Academy. And so you're constantly learning you know, new concepts, new techniques, and then, and like I said earlier, putting those in your toolbox to, to make you better at your craft. And so when I look at it through my personal lens, I, I think the interesting thing is we talk about leaders of character and they, they talk about it a little bit more in an academic way than maybe some of the things, Mike, that you and I have known and, and done uh, just didn't really articulate it in the same way. And, you know, we talk about living honorably and, and lifting others and elevating performance. And that's part of a framework of a leader of character. And those things, I think, resonate with a lot of athletic department leaders, um, certainly do with me. I hadn't talked about them in those ways, but setting an example in, in the way that you act and operate and communicate as an athletic director, I think, is fundamental. I think some of the things that maybe it's helped me um, amplify or hone in on is, is a little bit more of my personality and, and, and being a humble leader, but, but also being, you know, keeping things a little bit light and, and making sure that folks in the athletic department know that we're a family and that we're in this together. And some of those things that maybe look a little bit different from a traditional military leadership command and control structure, 
I think has actually helped me probably become an even better leader at Air Force because those things I think are really important and maybe different than what is seen every day at the academy. But it, it's helped me to be more of an authentic leader myself and really put a lot more emphasis in that familial piece of it and, uh, and, and embrace some of the athletic department leadership skills that, that maybe we don't think of at that same level, but are just as important to have in a high performing organization. Mm, that's great. So I, I said that was the last one. I, I've got one more <laughs> uh, as I'm sitting here. I, I uh, have not mentioned the fact that you've had a transition in your commissioner role in the Mountain West. And, uh, you know, Craig Thompson, obviously highly successful for a long time, led the league for forever. And now you've got Gloria uh, coming on as your new commissioner. Just maybe a, a brief comment or two about, you know, reflecting back on Craig's tenure and your work with him, you know, as you came into the, the job and what and, and maybe giving him a, a shout out. And then obviously now what you're seeing in terms of, of new leadership in the league. Sure. Well, I, I think when you look at Craig Thompson, he he was a founding the, the founder of the, the Mountain West. So our our conference came into creation under his leadership and to, to see what he was able to do. Um, and I, I don't have the, the number at the top of my head, but over 20 plus years leading our conference to incredible success um, speaks to, to his leadership and his steady hand and in, in the way that he approached it. So kudos to, to Craig and being able to have that long of a run and tenure as a commissioner. I mean, that, that's incredible when you, when you look at it and, you know, we, we've seen long runs in, in a number of conferences, but I don't think we're going to continue to see that. That That's an aberration, and it's really a, speaks to the quality of the folks that did lead those conferences so successfully for so long. But uh, when, when you look at that, <clears throat> I'm happy for Craig and, and all that he was able to do. He lives in Colorado Springs, so I'm constantly pinging him, you know, try to get him to come to games and still be around the academy. I joke with him that he can wear a little bit of royal blue now when he comes to the arena or uh, to the football stadium and nobody's going to give him a hard time but uh, I'm, I'm really happy for him and, and you know we'll see what he uh, decides to do moving forward last time we talked it was take a little time and uh, and enjoy a little peace and quiet and not have an athletic directors bugging him every day but you know my my hunch is there's probably something uh, around college athletics that, that he will be involved in and continue to be involved in down the road so quite a legacy there and quite a foundation now that as we transition to bring in Commissioner Navarez, uh, she's just getting started here at the at the new year. So we've been having a lot of conversations, uh, you know, one-on-one -on -one and, and with presidents as she gets to familiarize herself with our institutions. And there's a there's a learning curve because we do it a little bit different than, than other conferences, but I've got all the confidence in the world that, that she's gonna continue to take that platform of where we are now and, and continue to, to make us better and, and bring a lot of the things that she's seen and done at other um, areas of her career to bear on, on the uh, Mountain West. And so I think change, while sometimes it's hard, is always an opportunity and, and can be very good. So I'm excited to, to see where she takes us and uh, excited to work with her. The conversations that I've had uh, here just in the last two months have been very positive. And uh, I think there's an interest in learning, but also an interest in, in leading and, and helping us continue to evolve. So that's always a positive thing from, from my chair as an athletic director. Anything that makes the conference better makes us better. And uh, we want to continue to be at the top of it. So we're going to be working very hard to do that. That's awesome. So great, great, great conference, a great uh, institution, great uh, 
um, you know, great mission. Um, and I know you also, we've already alluded to you, you live in a great place too. So, man, Nate, thank you so much for taking the time out to be with me today. It's been uh, informative, obviously, and it's always good to catch up with you. Mike, great to catch up with you. Can't thank you enough for uh, having me and uh, look forward to doing it again sometime. Have a great day. We'll do that for sure. All right, folks, you've been listening from the chair. I'm your host, Mike Hamilton. I, our guest today has been the director of athletics at the Air Force Academy, Nate Pine. Hope you'll listen every week. Uh, we now have 60 some odd episodes on all the audio platforms, and certainly you can watch the video content on YouTube. Thanks again, and have a good week.